Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. Educator ideas, personal inspiration, and the science behind kindness. The Random Acts of Kindness Foundation is the go-to place for all things kind. Brooke Jones is the vice president of the organization. Brooke, thanks so much for talking with us today. You're the vice president of the Random Acts of Kindness Foundation. So my first question for you is, what is your job entail? I'm wondering if there's an especially high level of kindness involved when you actually work for the Random Acts of Kindness organization, or if it's really kind of just a regular, you know, large nonprofit. Some days it's both. Um, There are definitely days where we're sitting behind the desk and pushing paperwork and answering emails. And there are other days where I get to go out and do some really cool things. Um, As the vice president, I'm sort of overseeing everything that happens here. Um, We have some major initiatives that we sort of consistently work on all the time, one of which is our education program. We offer a K-12 social emotional learning curriculum, um, evidence-based. We we offer that for free to schools all over the world, actually, and um, all of it's downloadable on the Random Acts of Kindness website. So there's a lot of upkeep and a lot of um, outreach and communication that happens uh, alongside the um, the education initiative. And then we have a pretty substantial following on social media that we like to keep up with and really connect with our followers and our fans out there. So there's about Uh, Right now, there's about 1.2 million followers on our Facebook page and um, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram. We've got all kinds of folks out there. So we we have um, another group that's sort of an offshoot from our social media group called the Ractivists. So the Random Acts of Kindness activists that kind of step it up a little bit. And they came Mm -hmm. to us and said, we love what you're doing, but give us something more. You know, tell us what to do. Give us ideas. Give us missions. Give us you know, ways to connect with each other. So we have about 15,000 activists that are out there um, doing all kinds of really cool stuff. And they connect on a private Facebook group um, as well to share what they're doing, to give each other ideas and inspiration and share stories, videos, photos, all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of folks that um, we keep in contact with and we like to go out and do our own sort of staff kindness things, whether it's right outside our front doors or we go to a children's hospital or we go um, help one of our activists if we can locally um, or in another state if we're traveling. So I want to talk um, in a bit about the the education initiative and more about those activists, but um, first I want to if we can kind of get into this idea that really being intentional about kindness changes people. Because I I tell people, you know, I, I kind of became intentional about kindness seven or eight years ago, and I noticed within the first year that I had stopped drinking. I was an alcoholic prior to that. I had quit smoking. I had lost 25 pounds because I had stopped overeating. Uh, I had gone off of my antidepressant medication and I had re-fallen in love with my husband. And it wasn't that I tried to do any one of those things. All I tried to do was focus on being intentionally and systematically kind. So I'm wondering if you can explain to me what Brooke Jones looked like before having this job where it's, you know, 24-7 for you, random acts of kindness, thoughts, and the Brooke after. 
It's a great question, and, and my story is similar to yours. Um, when I came to this job, I knew that it was something that um, in my soul I believed in. It was something I was trying to instill in my daughter. Um, but I was similarly struggling with pretty deep level of depression, anxiety. Um, I struggled with postpartum depression when my daughter was born and really never quite got over it. And and as a child, I had um, my father committed suicide, and there was just hmm. sort of a lot of pain and suffering in my life that um, I, I would look at these people out there that were living life so fully and so happily, and I thought, I will never be one of those people. I don't know how they got to that place, and I, I would just sort of I don't know, I, I was envious of them, and I just assumed I just wasn't one of those people. There are those people, and there are those that kind of get through life, and I figured that was me. So um, when I got to Random Acts of Kindness Foundation, like I said, I, I believed in the mission. I knew it was important to me, but I had no idea over the last six years how it was going to affect me, and, and so I was on all kinds of medication, just keeping me sort of afloat, and at this neutral level of um, uh, my emotional wellness, I guess. And uh, I started studying positive psychology and going out and doing these intentional acts of kindness, as you mentioned, um, really making it part of my daily practice, uh, my, my practice here within the office, within my family, and realized over the years that I was weaning myself off of the medication without even knowing it. And all of a sudden, I, I remember saying to a friend of mine, well, I haven't taken my antidepressants or my anti-anxiety medication for about two years. And she said, well, why do you think that is? And I said, I don't know. And then I started thinking about it. And I said, you know, I think it's because I'm my body chemistry has actually changed with going outside of myself, doing things for others, all the sort of dopamine and serotonin that comes with doing these acts of kindness, it really does actually start to change your body chemistry and your brain chemistry. And it occurred to me as I was telling everybody else about the science behind kindness, and I, I mean, I will do keynote speeches or go out to schools and talk about it all the time, but I didn't realize it was actually working on me. <laughs> um, so that was... A revelation and something I don't take for granted and I you know certainly it's an anecdotal um, story but it, it to me it backs up the science that I had been putting out there for so long and sharing with people it's an anecdotal story that gives me chills I mean I feel it absolutely and when you talk about just you know that that fullness of joy must be for someone else it, it's not meant to be for me I'm not meant to live that way I think that uh, anybody listening can can really relate to that and realize there is more fullness to be had, but to be had for all of us. So the tabs on the randomactsofkindness.org site are super great, super helpful. The one that I want to talk about, though, is the one that's hiding at the very bottom, and it says the science behind kindness. So mm -hmm. following up on what you just said about the, the serotonin and things like that, what does the research tell us about what happens in our bodies when we do an act of kindness? There's all kinds of really interesting research about it that, that tells us in a nutshell um, all the things that we seem to be, especially now at this point in time, struggling with 
high blood pressure, um, eating disorders. I mean, you go down the list of things that that we struggle with. All of our mental wellness, um, depression, anxiety, doing acts of kindness, whether, you know, even if it's just holding the door open for somebody, there's this actual triangulation effect that the person who's doing the act of kindness, the person who receives the act of kindness, and the person who witnesses it, if somebody's witnessing it, um, they all have the exact same reaction in terms of their body chemistry and brain chemistry. You know, you'd think the witness has slightly lower or maybe the, the person doing it doesn't get as much of a rush as the person receiving it. They all get exactly the same level. Um, and so I, I think that for me, in my personal experience with uh, seeing this working for myself, I see it all the time out there. When we go out as a staff and do, you know, I, we did a day where we went to the children's hospital and, and we took care of, it was nurses day. So we brought gifts and flowers and I could not tell you, I mean, two, three days later, I was still on this high from, from doing that and wanting to go back and wanting to do more. And it, you know, all of the staff saying, we have to be doing this every day. Why are we sitting behind our desk today? We got to get out there and realizing um, there was so much power internally in our bodies that came from, from doing this. So the science will tell you that that little rush of serotonin, that little rush of dopamine, um, it actually sticks with you for quite some time. It, it lowers your blood pressure. It, it makes you feel happier. It makes you feel um, excited, fulfilled. Um, it makes you feel grateful. I mean, all these things that sort of come from one little moment in time. And it's actually similar to the high people get from drugs. And I mean, I hate to compare the two, but, but in reality, you're getting it from this natural, organic way of doing something that's not only bettering the world, but bettering yourself and your own health. I often say, and it's, it is funny to compare the two, but I often say that a really great act of kindness, like especially the first really great act of kindness that I remember doing, uh, gave me a high like like nothing else that I had ever tried before. Um, so I, I hear you on that. I'm super interested about the fact that it's not only the doer and the receiver, but the, the person witnessing who's going to also experience that same level. So if there are people listening who are, there, that are thinking, you know what, I'm exhausted. I do not have the time or the energy to do this and no one's being kind to me. It seems like this is where the reactivist could really come in handy yep. because people can watch what they're doing via right. social media. Right. Exactly. They, they're, I mean, reactivists are doing all kinds of really interesting and creative ways of getting out there. Some of them are teachers in their classroom and you realize, you know, if you do something, you, just standing at the door and saying hello to each of your students when they come in the door, they feel recognized, they feel welcome, they feel noticed. I mean, just saying hello when they come in the door, standing at the door, you know, looking at them eye to eye, those kinds of things. Um, you've got now 30 kids who, who have that little rush as they walk in the door. They're ready to learn. They respect you a little bit more. They feel more engaged. How easy is that? Um, and then you, you, know, you take the witness part of that. If a teacher who is walking down the hall sees another teacher doing that and says, hmm, that's a really good, you know, that's a good idea or I don't know why, but Mrs. Smith always has, her kids are always ready to go. They're always willing to help 
I wonder if that's part of what she's doing that, that I could do differently. Um, the witness piece, I think, is always fascinating because one of the things uh, I've noticed since I've started working here, and it happened very quickly, was how easily I recognize acts of kindness happening around me that I didn't before. I, I, I knew they were happening, but it, I wasn't tuned into it. And when you start tuning into it, you're standing in a line at a grocery store and somebody lets you go in front of them or you watch them let somebody else go in front of you or somebody lets somebody into traffic or they pay for the coffee behind them. I mean, those things are happening all around us all the time. If we just tune into it a little bit more, you're actually going to feel the effect of that by noticing it. And that's all you have to do is just notice it. Let's talk a little bit more about um, the the ability of educators to kind of lock into your program. You're the mom of an 11-year-old girl. I have a 13-year-old daughter. And it's no easier to be a little girl now than it was, you know, when we were. Um, So how do we set the foundation of kindness for our kids? It's really hard. I think um, I, I say that, but in some ways it's really easy. There are concepts that we teach in the curriculum and but they're they're concepts we are sort of all teaching all the time and I when I say teaching all of us are doing it's not just teachers in the classroom um, the idea of being respectful being responsible taking responsibility having integrity um, being compassionate so you know including others in a game that you're playing on the playground um, noticing a child who is left out or, you know, sitting with them in the lunchroom. These aren't difficult things. I know as, as a kid, and it was, it's not the easiest thing as a kid to go and do that, especially in those teen tween years, every year, you're so worried about what everybody thinks about what you're wearing, what you're doing, who you're talking to. But, um, I, I've struggled with this a little bit with my daughter. She is one of the kindest people I know, but she's moving into those years where every little move that she makes matters. And so we, we come back to constantly saying, put yourself in this other person's shoes. How would it feel if you were left sitting um, by yourself at a, at a table? She has a nut allergy. So she actually had for a couple of years in school, they would put her at the nut table. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was her and a couple other kids because they wouldn't allow them near kids who had peanut butter and jelly and, and she felt super left out. And I understand. And I said to her, you remember when you were sitting at the nut table and how that felt? It's it's not a nice feeling. And if you see a kid that's sitting there by themselves, what do you, what can you do? You know, can you include them with, with your table? Could you get up and leave your friends and go and sit with them? I know that's difficult, but could you do it? And when you start talking and having those conversations with kids, um, asking them to put themselves in other kids' shoes, it, it becomes a lot easier because they kids have this heart most of the time, unless, you know, there's some issues with um, emotion, but they all have a heart where they want to help others and they want to make others feel good. Mm -hmm. So if you can key into that and, and work with them on, um, on feeling what others feel and, and recognizing emotion. And I think technology right now is one of those things that's interrupting that a little bit. You've got kids who are so keyed into their technology that sometimes uh, they don't read the room or they don't read facial expressions or body language the way we used to be able to. So that's one of the things I think we also talk about is 
you know, put down the technologies as you can. You don't have to take it away because we sort of have to embrace what's what's here and, and now. But recognize what's happening. If your friends are feeling um, inside themselves or you see that they're sort of detached from others or, or their body language is showing you that they're not feeling good, that's the time to check in with them. You know, put down your phone and talk to them. So for educators and under the educators tab on your website, are these the types of ideas that, that you're giving to teachers or um, is, it, is it an actual curriculum that they can incorporate into the classroom? It's both. So a lot of it, um, we try to give them some grab and go things that, um, that they can do easily. And then there's a very highly structured curriculum for each grade level that, that addresses everything from... Um, getting along on the playground to cheating to um, technology and emotional well-being, um, sharing, you know, it's sort of age-appropriate, developmentally appropriate, so the little ones are learning some of those basic skills about sharing and personal space all the way up to high school where you're dealing with peer pressure and um, emotional care for yourself. What's the backstory to the Random Acts of Kindness Foundation. How did it begin? Did somebody just decide to start a website or to start a movement? Uh, it's It started in San Francisco in the 90s. There was, um, a, it was called the Summer of Violence. It was a lot of things going on in the Bay Area at the time with shootings and just violent acts. And they had actually coined the term in the newspapers at the time, they kept saying, you know, all of these random acts of violence going on. And one of the reporters out there at the time said, can we stop talking about random acts of violence and start talking about random acts of kindness? And so that, that phrase was coined at the time and a, a movement was started. There was a foundation that was born in the late nineties in San Francisco um, but they didn't have a lot of focus and direction at the time. They just wanted to spread kindness, and that was their mission. Um, our funder here in Colorado purchased the foundation and brought it here in 2000. So we've been here headquartered in, two, in uh, Denver for 17 years. And our focus similarly was how can we just spread the idea of people being kind to each other. And there were we'd go to conferences and we had t-shirts and bumper stickers and most people would remember those um but we realized about seven years ago that if we really wanted to make an impact moving into uh, education where we could really reach kids and adults and teach this because we believe you can teach it and in fact that we are teaching it every moment of every day with our behavior and how we model this um with our kids and and with each other so that's where the curriculum came to light, and we, we built that about seven years ago, and we've been research, researching it for the last uh, four years. And, um, and now we've got it out to, uh, uh, gosh, 80 countries now. Hmm. That's pretty exciting to think that it started from a summer of violence, and we look at where we are in the world today, and people are very fearful, and yet, you know, a, a grassroots movement like that could be something that comes so worldwide mm -hmm. uh, in spreading positivity. Brooke, can you share, before I let you go, your all-time favorite kindness story? Do you have one? Oh, that's always a good question. I think um, there's one that always sticks with me. Um, 
and it's actually, we, we created a video on the Random Acts of Kindness website about it. There's a woman uh, who lives in New York City. Her name is Hannah Brencher, and she started a, uh, an organization called morelovelettercom and, and really just started with her going through her own bout of depression early on. And um, she was sitting on a subway in New York, and she saw a woman who actually seemed even more sad and more downtrodden than her, and she pulled out a pen and paper and wrote her a letter just saying, it's going to be okay, and, and you're going to be okay, and things are going to get better, and it was this long letter. She handed it to the woman, got off the subway, and you know never saw her again. But it started within her this idea of writing love letters, not you know romantic love letters, but letters um, telling people it's going to be okay, and you're an amazing person, and leaving them all over the place and mailing them to people. And now she's got a team of writers and thousands and thousands of letters going out every day to countries all over the world where um, people re will email or, or write to her and request and say, you know, my mom is not doing well, can you write her a letter? Or my friend is, you know, just lost a, her job, could you write her a letter? So she, she's now doing this full-time and has a whole line of products and all of this, and she's just wonderful and it started with her going outside of herself and doing one small act of kindness for somebody else just noticing that one other person who looks a little more downhearted than you brooke thank you so much for talking with us today i really really appreciate it thank you you can become a racktivist or simply learn about the benefits of implementing kindness in your life at randomactsofkindness.org Thanks for listening to The Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to The Kindness Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or NPR One.